0: Should we go electric? I think we should go electrified with Toyota. Electrified? Electrified means options. So electrified looks different for everyone. Yup, and with more options for reducing carbon emissions, Toyota is electrified diversified. Learn more about our Beyond Zero vision for the future at toyota.com slash Zero. Fred Johnson slept through Katrina on the floor of the grand Ballroom of the Hyatt Hotel He and hundreds of people were camped out there. They shared blue and gold hotel sheets just waiting in the darkness for it all to pass
1: So we'd wake up the next morning and one thing leads to another said, so, well let's go see if we can get out."
0: Fred had been through hurricanes before. He wasn't too worried. The place was still standing. But the ballroom didn't have windows, so he went to take a look outside.
1: It's sunny, it's warm, and it's, it's calm. It's mm-hmm. calm as shit, right? So we like, okay, maybe I was right. This thing that came in and went out, we're going to be all right.
0: As far as Fred was concerned, he still had a job to do. Every year, he and the black men of labor threw their parade on the Sunday before Labor Day. It was supposed to be in six days. And the second line on Sunday is sacred to Fred. He wasn't going to let a little hurricane get in the way.
1: The second line has to do with slavery. New Orleans, hand down, is probably one of the most African-American cities in America. And as you get to delving, you will understand the level of slave trade that took place here.
0: All the things Fred loves about the city, jazz, Mardi Gras, gumbo, trace back to his ancestors, the enslaved people who built the city. Back when the French controlled New Orleans, it was Catholic. Even the enslaved people had to take the holy day off. So on Sundays, they would get together.
1: So the slaves came from all up and down the river And they made their way to what became Congo Square. And in Congo Square, they had a chance to revisit, sing, dance, cry, laugh, talk, exchange foods, because that was the closest thing that brought them back to where they had been taken from. So Sunday became a big deal.
0: New Orleans culture grew out of moments like those and Fred loved all the pieces of it. He'd masked Indian, had been to Mardi Gras balls, and helped found a social aid and pleasure club. But for him, the Sunday parade is where it all comes together.
1: You could just come out your door and get behind this band and go with them from bar to bar and forget about all of the harsh treatment that white people had inflicted on you, all of the ugly names that they had called you there was something in these African-American people that you could not kill and you could not take from them. And it was their soul. Most of your parades are Sundays, right? Mahalia Jackson and Duke Ellington.
0: Oh, Sunday? Come Sunday. Come Sunday.
1: Right. So Monday when I go to work, no matter how ill I was treated, I know that Sunday was coming, and somebody was going to have a parade.
0: That morning after Katrina, even thinking about throwing a parade might have seemed ridiculous. The parts of Louisiana and Mississippi that were hit directly had been flattened. New Orleans had supposedly dodged a bullet, but the city was still pretty beat up. Fred wanted to go see for himself. He and a friend walked across the street to try and find a ride.
1: And there was a lady, a white woman, who was driving a cab. I said, miss, she working? She said, Yes. Yeah. So we got in the cab and we go basin to konti.
0: Fred directed the cab downriver toward the seventh ward. They passed Congo Square. They headed toward the headquarters of the Black Men of Labor, a bar called Sweet Lorraine's.
1: But as we go closer to Sweet Lorraine's, we began to see some water. Not a lot and we going lake bound but as I could see in the distance there was something that wasn't moving but it was red and I'm like what is that back there the closest she got from Rome on the Johnson Street I said oh no turn around because now I realized it was the fire truck and it was stuck in water and you could just see just the top of it so as you get Closer to the Galveston, and Miro, the water was getting deeper and deeper and deeper. And if I didn't talk to this woman, she was gonna drive us into this water. I said, oh no, 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 no. Turn around, turn around, turn
0: around, turn around now. Up until then, Fred was determined. Black New Orleans had paraded through slavery, through Jim Crow, and definitely some bad weather. But water that high high enough to cover a fire truck, Fred figured immediately.
1: We got some breaches.
0: He didn't know how many levees had breached, how bad it was for the rest of the city. But he did know one thing.
1: The first thing that's in my mind is, damn, we ain't gonna never get the parade on the street now.
0: Part two come Sunday. There were over 50 levee breaches in the New Orleans area after Katrina. Putting together the exact reasons the city flooded, when and where it did, is like putting together a jigsaw puzzle of geography, water, channels, bayous, and canals. It took a long time for even the people who live there to understand exactly what happened. I'll do my best here. Okay, so... First thing, Louisiana is shaped like a boot. The toe dips into the Gulf of Mexico. New Orleans is right above it. So not on the Gulf, but pretty close. Second thing, lots of the city is below sea level. The lake to the north and the river to the south are both higher than much of the city. People look up to see ships floating by. Third thing, there were two big shipping channels around New Orleans, One runs north to south, from the lake to the river. Splits off the Lower Ninth Ward from the rest of the city. It's called the Industrial Canal. The other one ran to the southeast from the city. It connected the Industrial Canal to the Gulf. Locals called it the Mr. Go. So here's what happened. Katrina made landfall southeast of the city, near where the Mr. Go connected to the Gulf. It pushed a wall of water ahead of it. That storm surge was funneled through shipping channels toward the city. There was so much water that the levees along the Mister Go started to fail. Flooding started out in St. Bernard, a suburban parish to the southeast of the city. The surge then pushed up toward where the Mister Go intersects with the industrial canal. When the surge got close to the Lower Ninth Ward, levees failed on the neighborhood's north side. The water started creeping up.
1: Everybody's vehicles were sitting in my brother's yard. And it first of all, it was coming up to the tires and I'm like, okay. And it got on the door
0: and I'm like, okay. Alice Craft Kearney had been too tired from a nursing shift at Charity Hospital to evacuate. She was with family in her brother's house in the Lower Ninth Ward. Around 8 a.m. on the west side of the neighborhood, the industrial canal levee gave way too and 18 feet of water went through.
1: Then our cars were submerged. That's when, you know, we knew the
0: levees had breached. Close to the Industrial Canal breach, things were catastrophic. The water destroyed lots of houses. It knocked others off their foundations. Some floated blocks away. Dozens of people drowned. Survivors were trapped in attics or on roofs for days. I think... The biggest concern that they have is uh, the survivability of these people that are still thousands trapped.
2: upon thousands of homes were, were flooded
1: completely up to the roof lines. It was absolutely an amazing sight. You can hear people yelling for help. You can hear the dogs yelping, all of them stranded, all of them
2: hoping someone will come. But
0: for tonight they Alice was near the river on some of the highest ground in the city. She would say she was blessed in all this. The water stopped rising before it got into her brother's house. But her own house was out in the east. She knew it was probably underwater already. I'm thinking I've
1: lost everything. I've lost everything.
0: Because the Lower Ninth Ward is cut off from the rest of the city by the Industrial Canal, the flooding there would be contained. Everyone knew that neighborhood was vulnerable to floods after hurricanes. In 1965, Hurricane Betsy had overtopped and broken the levees and drowned the neighborhood. But no living person had ever seen uptown underwater. The levees on the river and the lake were supposed to be safe. But around 11 that morning, Times-Picayune reporter Mark Schlefstein got a disturbing call. It must have been somebody in the emergency management office told me that, you know, hey, we had some firefighters who were up on the top floor of... An apartment building. It's an apartment building that's right on the lake. The firefighters were on the west side of the city, in the well-off Lakeview neighborhood. That's where Mark lived. Lakeview was right next to the 17th Street drainage canal. The canal was designed to drain water out of the city and pump it up to the lake. And that they looked down and they saw that a piece of the wall had failed and that the, that Lakeview was flooding. Uh, with water running in continuously from the lake. I mean, I knew that was you know completely unprecedented. At, at that point, it was extremely clear to me that my house was going to flood very soon if it wasn't already underwater. If Lakeview was flooding, that was a big deal. It meant that most of the city was going underwater. It wouldn't just be black neighborhoods. Not just poor ones, either. It would be white neighborhoods. Wealthy ones. City buildings. Fancy condos. There'd be no stopping it. Is it rising very
1: fast in the most seriously flooded areas
0: of Well, it's rising in the downtown area. It's rising in the downtown area, but I would describe it as... This is from a press conference on Tuesday with Governor Kathleen Blanco and Louisiana's two senators, Mary Landrieu and David Vitter a full day after the 17th Street levees had breached. They're talking about the progress of rescue efforts in New Orleans. In the huge majority of areas, it's not rising at all. It's, it's the same or it may be lowering now. slightly. In some parts of New Orleans, because of the 17th Street breach, it may be
2: rising. And that seemed to be the case in parts of downtown. But I don't want to alarm everybody that, you know, New Orleans is filling up like a bowl. That's just not happening.
0: Actually, that's exactly what was happening. Thousands of lives were in the balance. But it wasn't clear that people in charge even knew.
2: If I had five rescuers, there seems to be 50,000 people that need rescued. Most were forced to
0: climb At the time of that press conference, many streets were only passable by boat. The agencies that got out there first were the ones that had them. The Coast Guard and the Louisiana Department of Wildlife and Fisheries were in the water within hours of landfall. But a lot of people just grabbed anything that would float and saved each other, too.
1: Rescue boats zigzagged through flooded streets, which had become canals. An armada of rescue set. craft, manned by volunteers from across the region,
0: is unloading victims. Even today, hundreds and hundreds of people rescued from their rooftops after spending more than 24 hours on rooftops waiting to be evacuated. In Treme, Leanne Williams and her family were also waiting to be rescued. They didn't have power. They went out to try and find supplies. Somebody had broken into the local corner store. My mom was
2: scared, no, don't go in there,
0: don't go in there. I'm like, mom, we have to get food and stuff. Whoever broke in used a post to wedge the door open. Leanne waited inside.
2: It was dark and full of water. They had chips floating everywhere and everything. And I just, you know, looked in there walking down the aisles in water and I'm just stuffing a bag with food and drinks for us so we could have to eat.
0: Before she went home, Leanne went across to the liquor store and grabbed something else, a novelty pin radio, one of those cheap gifts for kids that writes and plays music. When she got back to Lafitte, the family turned it on.
2: We were trying to um, listen and get a connection on the outside because we didn't have any
0: power. Jimmy, line five, uh, Freddie in Lakefront. Freddie, you on WWL. Five, a Monday evening... One of the people broadcasting was Garland Robinette, the fill-in radio host for the talk show on WWL. After that first night in the closet, the team had made a frantic escape through floodwaters and drove up to Baton Rouge. They kept broadcasting and took calls from people still in New Orleans. We are very frightened, you know,
2: uh... We're uh-huh. just trying to get out of here. We we have we open the attic. We 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 punched a hole in the attic. Um, we have candles and we have a little lantern that we keep on raising up. We have flashlights, but they still not seeing.
0: All right, they're monitoring this. All, all I can tell you is do everything you can to signal us. The helicopters are passing over we're you. Trying. We're, yeah. Calls out the, window. the calls in the first two days were basically like emergency dispatches. People called asking for help or looking for lost relatives. Probably the most joyful moments was how many times we reunited people. Lots of people had evacuated without even knowing where their families were going. And somebody calling and saying, I haven't seen my daughter. We'd put it out, get a call back, tell Dad, I'm here. It was great. But lots of the calls were terrified. And there was only so much Garland could do
2: we in
1: the senior uh, citizen home. It's like 56 of us and my baby, and he's four months, and he's hot, he's soaking wet, and he's running out of food. And the, the helicopters, they'll pass over us, but they won't stop. Hello, Can you- they would say, I'm drowning, you know, that uh, the waters are coming, I'm here with my baby, nobody's coming. And, and the, the wonderful, you know, firefighters, Boat rescue, everything would
0: hear it and everybody would head for it. Leanne spent the day listening to the news unfold on the Penn radio. The apartment was dry, but the streets around it were filling up with water.
2: And we heard it on the radio, and a man was like he was in a panic. I repeat get to safety, get to the Superdome. I repeat, the night wall is underwater, the water is rising, get to safety.
0: When Leanne's mother heard that, she panicked. Her sisters, Leanne's aunts, were staying in the Florida housing projects in the Ninth Ward. None of them and their children could swim, and nobody could get in touch with them. With the water steadily creeping up, Leanne's mom thought they might be next. She realized they couldn't wait around for rescue. They were going to have to save themselves. Hi, this is Jeffrey Goldberg. I'm the editor-in-chief of The Atlantic. This project, Floodlines, is the result of almost a year of reporting by a small but dedicated team of our journalists. I hope you listen to the whole series, and I hope that when you're done, you'll decide that what you really need in your life is even more Atlantic journalism. For 163 years, the journalists at The Atlantic have been producing superior narrative stories about the issues that matter most in the world— You can gain unlimited access to all of The Atlantic's great stories by subscribing. Go to theatlantic.com slash support us to learn more. That's theatlantic.com slash support us. Thank you very much for listening. And now back to Floodlines. In the Lafitte projects, Leanne's mom was getting anxious. She told Leanne and her cousin Ariel to put their shoes on. My mom was like, we're getting out of here. But my stepdad... Didn't want to leave. So the three of them left her stepdad behind and went out on a scouting expedition to see if they could find help. The only way to dry land was to walk up the ramp to the raised interstate.
2: So we walked out the back door of our house, and there was water everywhere back there. We walk into the interstate, and we just see people everywhere. They had a lady, she was like in her 80s or 90s. They had her on a blow-up bed, and she was at the foot of the interstate. And she like, she was just hot and worn out. And she just had her hand on top of her head, and we passed all that up.
0: On the interstate, Leanne could see the entire city for the first time in days.
2: I just couldn't believe it. Like, it was water everywhere. They, long as I've been they been having hurricanes, I ain't never seen no water on Canal Street and so close to the first quarter like that. That was crazy. And we just walking down the interstate. And as we walking down the interstate, they had a dead body right there, a dead man. So my mom just telling us to close our eyes just to keep going. Just keep walking, keep walking, close our eyes.
0: They saw people everywhere who needed help with no help to be found. So her mom figured the only way to survive was for everyone to get out. That meant convincing her stepdad that it was time to go.
2: Then when we made it back from that walk home and she went had a talk with him, he was ready to go. (laughs) She didn't play. For those trapped in New Orleans, 10 shelters have been opened, including the steel and concrete massive superdome.
0: 20 to 25,000 people, it's estimated now, have gone to the superdome. Because we're expecting upwards of 20,000 to 30,000 people inside the superdome here. They told us go to the superdome. If you want to be rescued, go to the superdome. The superdome is the official refuge of last resort for all the families left behind. For most people, The only way to get there after the storm was walking on the raised interstate above the floodwater. Leanne's family joined hundreds of others who were making the same journey.
2: I think I took my shoes off because they were soaking wet, and I remember me stepping on something.
0: She stepped on something sharp with her bare foot.
2: And it cut my feet bad. So everybody had to stop because I had blood everywhere. And it was hot, and everybody had to stop because my feet was cut open so bad.
0: Leanne was limping now. She'd waded through rat-infested waters, past a dead body, up and over the city in all its devastation. It was hot, over 90 degrees and humid, but her family kept going. Eventually, they ran into a guy who was pushing a cooler.
2: He's saying, ice cream, ice cream is hot. I got ice cream, cold drinks, and water. Come on, baby, get y'all something to drink, and I know y'all, you know, thirsty and stuff.
0: And so... The family stood in the sun. On the interstate, they looked out over the flooded city. At that moment, there were still hundreds of people trapped in buildings across New Orleans, thousands trying to make their way out. Leanne and her cousin stopped for a minute and had some ice cream.
2: A strawberry shortcake. Um, You know, you ever had one of those? Yeah, it's good. I got one of them.
0: There were lots of moments like those on the interstate people shared water. They brought grills and ate hot dogs together. They did what they needed to do to help each other make it down the road. It was something sweet, something kind on a day full of destruction. But in a way, it made sense. It made sense in a city where you dance at funerals. It made sense in a city where no matter what happened on Monday, Sunday was always coming. Leanne's mom thought they were heading somewhere safe. Somewhere the government might be able to help them. They'd seen terrible things, but they must have trusted that salvation was just around the corner. This was just four years after 9-11. We've been telling ourselves a story that America comes together in the face of hard times. That it doesn't leave its own people behind. But in New Orleans, the next week wouldn't quite work out that way. Not for Leanne's family, and not for the thousands of other people trapped in the city. This time, the cavalry was not coming.